I love books. Yes, I do. Maybe I want to read all of the books. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on November 15th, we'll be taking a little break, so there will be no new episode. Then, on November 22nd, we will have our Patreon episode. We had a tie in the poll this month, so we stuck the two choices in a random wheel picker and made it spin. The winner is The Reluctant Assassin by Ian Colfer. We hope you'll tune in. And here's a quick plug for our Patreon. We've got stickers, bookmarks, mugs, and more. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Like Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are discussing a delightful sci-fi... Is it a space opera? Would you call it a space opera? I mean, what is the definition of a space opera, actually? I don't know, because that was what I was thinking, but I'm like, is it actually a space opera? Let us find out via the Google. See, when I think of a space opera, I think, like, lots of ships and battles and things like that. But I could be very wrong. Here is the definition. Space opera is a subgenre of science fiction that emphasizes science fictional space warfare with use of melodramatic, risk-taking space adventures and chivalric romance. What kind of romance? Chivalric? Spell it. C-H-I-V-A-L-R-I-C. Chivalrous? It does not say chivalrous. It has an ick on the end. Hold on. It's like chivalric. Not chivalrous. And now the episode diverges into, hmm, Mo can't pronounce words. Let's figure out how to, what word is Mo (laughs) actually saying? A novel, movie, or television program set in outer space, typically of a simplistic and melodramatic nature. Was it simplistic and melodramatic? Um, do you consider a robot with anxiety to be melodramatic? A little bit. I feel like Murderbot was a little dramatic. Okay. So it's a space opera minus any real aerial battles? Space battles? I mean, there there were ba- I mean, there were battles in space on planets. That's true. Okay, I guess we can legitimately call this a space opera. Excellent. Well, I am glad we got past that beginning uh, of the book or of the podcast episode tonight. So I found some fun facts about Martha Wells, who is the author of the book. I had to verify what the fun facts actually were about. They are actually about Martha Wells. Yes. I don't think you actually said the title of the book. Oh, oh, the book we're discussing tonight. Thank you, Abby. It's the first book in the Murderbot Diaries. It's called All Systems Red. I personally was recommended to read this book by my friend, well, your friend too, Kim. Uh, She was like, you'll like this book. You should read this. And I think you found this through Bookstagram, didn't you? I honestly don't remember. You might have suggested it to me. Oh, maybe I did. So maybe we owe all of this to Kim. So thank you, Kim. I know you do listen to us chat. This episode is dedicated to Kim. She's awesome. She has good book recommendations. For sure. So, fun facts about Martha Wells. So, 
Wells went through a mid-career crisis in the 2000s and nearly quit writing. And if she had, then we wouldn't have had Murderbot Diaries. Did you know that? I did not. Mm-hmm. Each Murderbot novella took Wells three months from the fi- first word to the final, the end. Wow. Right? Oh, novella. I'm sorry. I'm not really good at saying that word. That's okay. All Systems Red earned a Hugo, a Nebula, and a Locus Award. It is a three-award novel. Wow. Right? And Wells' first agent sold her first novel, The Element of Fire, to Tor when she was just 27 years old. There you go. Those are the fun things I found out about the author. And I've, so I've looked at, like, other books that she's written, and I find it very interesting. I think this is her first sci-fi yeah, so she started with, what's it called, so- Sword of Sorcery Fantasy, and mm-hmm. she kind of had a, not falling out, but like, let me figure out what where her books are, do, 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 and I can tell you where things went crazy. So, you can see she has a dry spell in the 2000s where she didn't publish anything for a few years, and then she came back up with the Murderbot Diaries, essentially. But if I remember the fall of the Ill Rain trilogy, I think was, well, The Elm Fire was her first book. And then she did the fall of the Ill Rain trilogy and essentially Tor dropped her after the, that trilogy and they failed. I wasn't not sure if they failed to promote her or if her agent failed to promote her. I don't know the aspects of that one. But essentially she wrote the novel, she got him in, and then they didn't go anywhere. Mm. Right? So she kind of lost her mojo for a little bit. But then she got picked up again where she started doing like Star Wars. Uh, She did a Star Wars book. She did Stargate books. And she was like, man, I like sci-fi. Let's go back to sci-fi. She actually started in sci-fi. So she went back to sci-fi. Well, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm glad she was able to get back into it. Because let me tell you. I love this series so far. Right? Quite a delightful book. Yeah. So there there you have it. Just some interesting fun facts about her. Honestly, reading The Murderbot Diaries, I know we've both read this one and the next one, but reading those has made me want to pick up some of her sword and sorcery stuff. Just because I'm like, I like the way that she writes this. And I don't know how her fantasy, like what voice her fantasy Mm -hmm. is written in but I'm interested to find out. Did you? No, you, you got the paper, or um, you got these from the library and you got the book book, right? I bought the book books. Oh, you bought the book books. Okay. Yes. Because I was like, I'm like, did I do audiobooks? No, I just got them. I also got them from the library. I did eBooks instead. And I've read the first two so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the book books. And guys, let me tell you, if you get the actual books of these, just... Oof, don't touch the dust jacket if you can avoid it. I'm not usually a, like, hater on dust jackets, but my God, the dust jackets on these books are like sandpaper. It not do it for you. horrible to feel, and I hate it so much. I have to take the dust jacket off in order to read these. Did you twitch, twitch out of existence, essentially? Yeah, I cannot physically hold on to the book with the dust jackets on them unless I'm taking the dust jacket off. Kind of sounds awful, to be honest. They are. 
like the covers are so pretty and then you touch it and you're like and then abby just turns into a bottle my hands retract back into my body and refuse to touch anything (laughs) no 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 i do not like uh all right so uh, summary i suppose i can tell you a summary in a corporate-dominated spacefaring future, planetary missions must be approved and supplied by the company. Exploratory teams are accompanied by company supply, security, and droids for their own safety. But in a society where contracts are awarded to the lowest bidder, safety isn't always a primary concern. On a distant planet, a team of scientists are conducting surface tests, shadowed by their company supply droid, a self-aware sect unit that has hacked its own government module and refers to itself though never out loud, as Murderbot. Scornful of humans, all it really wants to do is be left alone long enough to figure out who it is. But when a neighboring mission goes dark, it's up to the scientists and their Murderbot to get to the truth. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you for supplying the music. It was well needed. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump through our characters, Abby. I mostly enjoyed the cast of this book. But I can say I only fell in love with really one character. Yeah. So, tell us, who are the characters of All Systems Red? Well, of course, the main character is Murderbot itself. And since it's a robot, there is no gender. We were actually discussing this at one point. I read this book in a male voice as Murderbot being male. And you read it as female, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. So, there's... There's no wrong way to read it because <laughs> it doesn't have a gender. Now, all of the characters I'm going to talk about now are part of the scientific research program Preservation Ox, which is from the Preservation Alliance. And the Preservation Alliance is a plant series of planets. So these people are from those planets. They've been sent by these planets to this other planet that has been discovered. And they're doing surface tests and stuff to see whatever the humans want to do there if it's viable or whatever whatever they want to do it doesn't matter good luck guys yeah so they sent a bunch of scientists i mean it doesn't matter to murder bots so we don't really know what they're planning on doing but it's not relevant it's fine <laughs> we have dr bowardage oh i you, you know what you can murder every single name because Honestly, I will murder every single name no matter what I do, but at least you might get closer to perhaps. Perhaps, I mean. Oh, all right, here we go. So we have Dr. Bauerdwaj, one of the scientists. Tasks include collecting samples and analyzing them. Then we have Dr. Valescu, also a scientist, with the same tasks, so collecting samples and analyzing them. This doctor's a four-way marriage and has seven children. Aida Mensa is the expedition leader. Rassi is the biologist. Pin Lee is the legal counsel for the expedition. You know, I'm not going to lie. If I was an ex- exploration person and I had a legal counsel with me, I'm not quite sure about that. Like, like really, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to go explore a deadly planet so I can write a contract for this planet. Mm, nope, you may not kill my coworker unless you sign on the dotted line so you can pay the life insurance policy out. I mean, is that what their job is, you think? I think it's just to make sure that they're not stepping on anybody else's toes and nobody's stepping on theirs, like, legally speaking. I like my version better. I mean, your version is better, but... Mm -hmm. 
All right. So we also have Arata, the biology specialist. And uh, they are a couple with Oversay. Yep, sounds great. Yeah, who is the field medic. And finally, we have Dr. Garathan, who is a scientist and an augmented human. Skills include data and computer system analysis. Abby, I have a question. Yes, Mo. What's an augmented human? What does that mean in the contents of Murderbot's diaries? So in this world, you have normal humans like us puny people, and then you have augmented humans who basically have hardware of some sort installed in them. And this hardware can do a lot of different things depending on what you install, but it basically just means they're not 100% flesh and blood anymore. Kind of like a cyborg, basically. Makes sense. So everyone's a human, right? There's no sentient humans in this novel? Sentient humans? I mean, sentient aliens? I believe everybody is human of some sort. So we talked about how space operas have space fights. Were there any space fights in this book? Um, yes, they all happened planet side, though. They weren't actually like out in space, but there were definitely battles that happened. And also, since this is sci-fi, does it get kind of heavy on the tech side? Like, does it go into deep, fun, scientific explanation? Or is it all kind of glossed over? It's mostly glossed over because Mur- Murderbot is the one telling the story and it doesn't care. <laughs> that is true. I feel like reading this book is not, it's really good. I really like this book, but it's not quite typical for a lot of the sci-fi I like to read. So, for example, I just finished the Collapsing Empire series. Um, no, no, no. The Last Impro series by John Scalzi, which had which truly is a space opera. I had space battles. I had political intrigue. There was some murder in it, lots of cussing in it as well, some sex, all, all the good things that come to a good, you know, space opera novel. <laughs> Quite exciting. And I feel like this is, and this is a novel, so it's very much a snapshot of sci-fi. Yeah, this, if you're interested in sci-fi, but you find it intimidating because of all the tech talk or because... You have these big, thick books with lots of space battles in it or something like that. I think this would actually be a great one to start with because Murderbot doesn't care about the tech stuff, so he glosses over it. You don't have to worry about it. He's a very fun narrator. And you don't get... Really, the main focus of this is Murderbot. Like, everything else is just, like, happening to him. (laughs) (laughs) It's some static. I like how you're now assigning a gender to Murderbot, even though Murderbot is genderless. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stick to it, but it's really hard because I read him as male. I know. So it's funny. And then one thing I was thinking about, too, I was comparing this. So some of my favorite animes, um, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Outlaw Star. Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star are truly space-faring adventures. And this is more like Trigun, where... Your planet side, and yeah, you got some technology going on, but also, you know how Trigun can either be like super high tech or there's no, or it's very kind of like middle grade tech mm-hmm. because they're in a exploratory mission. I feel like they're kind of in like middle grade tech, like they got, you know, life support and weapons, but it's not like we're going to see anything super significant, you know? Right, because the whole 
premise of the company is that they cut as many corners as possible for these expeditions. So everything tech-wise is like outdated and kind of crappy, but still functional. Kind of sketchy, let's be real. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think we've done pretty well dissecting the um, beginning of our podcast of our usual things. I think now it's time for us to take a break, Abby, because I'm ready. I'm ready to deep dive. All right. We'll talk to you guys in a minute. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show welcome back guys and remember this half is spoilers so if you have not read all systems read by martha wells please stop go read it it's really short it's only like 150 pages and then come back and talk to us trust me it's worth it all right so i don't know i had a harder time like dissecting this one than I would a normal length book. Yeah, I feel like it was short, but it's very action-packed short, but there's not, you know, we have the beginning of the book. Oh, we're on a planet. Let's save this person from being eaten. Great. Hmm. Seems to be sabotage. Let us go see what's going on. Wander across the planet. Hmm. Smells like sabotage. Then discover, ooh, it is sabotage. Ooh, no. Um, plus some murder. And, well, not some murder. Really some explosions, some drone work, some investigation. Then I think we run away from it. And Murderbot, I think there's some blowing up of Murderbot. And then Murderbot gets saved. And that's the end, right? Like that? That's pretty much the plot, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the plot. Like, I feel like this book is more character focused than plot focused which is because it literally all revolves around murder bots so one thing as a recurring theme when we talk about books abby is that we are very focused on world building and for us world building we can have pretty shitty characters but have a great world and we're okay with that for this do you feel how did you feel about the world building for all systems red i feel like the world building is rather lacking but I didn't feel deprived of it simply because of the voice that Murderbot takes on and just the way it talks. You wouldn't expect to get in-depth paragraphs and paragraphs about how this system versus this system or um, these people don't like those people or this is what's going on in the galaxy or things like that because that's just not what Murderbot cares about. And so... I don't know, the lack of world building almost adds to the story just because it adds to Murderbot's character. And this book is so focused on Murderbot itself. And just like Murderbot is like this really, really small focus for this entire book. And all the stuff going on in the book is just stuff happening around it. <laughs> happening around Murderbot. Yes. So it's like, I don't know. Well, and he also spent, it also spends a lot of time in, it's like, recharge chamber or whatever 
especially when it's being transported. So it's not like a normal passenger on a spaceship that can like wander around and look at the stars and that kind of thing. So its viewpoint is very narrow to begin with. And that's not its fault. It's just, that's the way it is. So I guess the in context throughout the scenes, you're getting little bits and pieces of world building, like tiny little bits and pieces here and there. But it's not like a grand space opera where you're sitting down and getting paragraphs of world building. So I don't know. It didn't bother me, despite my love of world building. What about you? Well, this was like, like you said, it's very murder box centric. And I'm okay with that. Like, usually I'm not okay with a really like great character, but not enough world building. But Murderbot is so fabulous as a character that I'm like, yeah, can we, can I just please continue reading about Murderbot? And I want to just follow Murderbot. I don't care. I don't care about anything else. I don't, I don't care if there's space or vegetation or, you know, fauna. Great. Fantastic. Just tell me more about Murderbot, you know? Yeah. And that's a really odd sensation to have. It's weird. It's really weird. So that really leads into, Abby, I feel like your favorite character might be Murderbot. I feel like your favorite character might be Murderbot, too. You are quite right. <laughs> I am quite fond that, one, Murderbot just wants to watch soap operas and be left alone. Murderbot is antisocial, likes media, and you know what? At the end of the day, I can really vibe with that because at the end of the day, I've worked all day. I just want to snuggle my babies, throw them in bed, and then spend time with Nate and just vegetate on the couch. I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. I just appreciate Murderbot's anti or analytical nature as well and desire to keep his clientele safe. Like all of that, everything. Yes. I too am an analytical and I want to keep my kids alive. I understand these very, you know, I don't even know how to say it. These knees, the drive, the how they were designed because I, I was too designed that way. So I feel like Murderbot is basically a millennial. And I say that as a millennial myself. But but wait, but Murderbot doesn't drink copious amounts of coffee. Okay, he's the robot equivalent of a millennial. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I okay. Yes. So he's he's this antisocial, anxiety-ridden robot who doesn't want to do anything except watch his shows obsessively for hours and hours at a time. He wants to do his job and be left alone. It's just. He's he's depressingly easy to relate to. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like the the more I read from its perspective was like, man, I know so many people that just like fit this bill. So what I'm hearing is Murderbot is a millennial. Hmm, okay. Yes. I can go with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Murderbot is a 30-something-year-old, huh? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you like anyone else in the book, by the way? Because I literally cannot tell you of any other character that I enjoyed. I just didn't care. I'm like, Murderbot, that's it. That's all I care about. Okay, so most of them kind of, like, blended for me. But I did like Mensa, who was the expedition leader. She was pretty cool. Like, she understood 
that Murderbot really didn't want to interact with them and just like wanted to be left alone to do his job, its job. And I appreciated that she saw it as, yes, it's a robot, but it's also a person because in their little alliance with planets, robots have rights and they can, they're considered to be like actual people, which I thought was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I like this. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. And she seemed very smart and I just in general appreciated her character. She was a good leader. I I mean, I can agree with that. Also, she did save Murderbot. Yes, that too. I loved that she saved Murderbot, so... I greatly appreciated that. Yes, she gets my vote. Because we need to save Murderbot. All the time. And keep Murderbot. Yep, because Murderbot is awesome. All right, so... Yeah, I was going to ask you... Favorite characters, Abby. So we really have said that no one's really rememberable. So, like, did you remember anyone to even say that they were least favorite people? I guess like the company in general. It's just like anyone outside of Murderbot's expedition because of all the sabotage and underhanded crap that was going on i'm just like no y'all need to just like shoo let Murderbot do his job in peace and shoo so i mean they were kind of annoying just because Murderbot didn't get to watch it shows but other than that it's kind of hard to like Murderbot doesn't care so it's hard for us as the audience to care right like Murderbot's <laughs> like this is not a serial so mm, uh, mm, i don't care you know Murderbot's like well it is not my job to keep these people alive. They're trying to kill my clients. They got to go. I actually wasn't really into any of the humans. I could care less about the humans. All the humans could have died. And I've been, I'm like, oh, well, Murderbot, how you doing? <laughs> I know. Well, if you want to move on to favorite scenes, I loved the scene at the very end where Mensa was like, hey, yeah, I bought you off the company. You're a free robot now. And Murder was, Bot was like, cool, deuces. <laughs> and just peace outed. I was very much like, at first, because I like I liked Mensa. And so I was like, oh, cool. He's going to go back with her, maybe be a bodyguard. This will be mm-hmm. a fun adventure. And then he just peace outs and disappears. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have a different adventure. Okay. I'm, I'm on board. Let's see. what, what What's up? <laughs> so, I mean... I'm so invested in Murderbot that I don't care what the story is. I just want to read about Murderbots. I agree. <laughs> I really thought it was funny anytime Murderbot had to have extended contact with the humans because his inner dialogue and absolute awkwardness just cracked me up because <laughs> he's standing there like, I don't have my helmet on. They're staring at me. They can see my face. This is so awkward. I'm sure they feel so awkward. This is terrible. Why are they making me stay here? And it's just like, dude, chill. It is not that bad. I promise. Man. Oh, and I did think it was interesting when Murderbot came across the other sec units, just because he has, it has no attachment to the others of its kind. And so it was, it was interesting to get, an analytical point of view from that too because you're very invested in murderbot but then murderbot's like 
oh look other sec units i agree with that i really Murbot just didn't care and i was like mm, thank you and i love how Murbot was just this giant awkward turtle it's like I have watched humans. I have observed humans. And dear God, I still can't interact with them. Please make them go away. They're awful. Um, the best scene in this book, it was definitely in the beginning when Murderbot was like, oh, oh no, my human is getting eaten. I better stop that big giant alien beastie from snacking on my paycheck. And Murderbot is just like, just like I, the way, and I'm not sure if this is how it played out, but in my mind's eye, you know how Olympic divers have this perfect form? And I just kind of just imagine Murderbot just like going, just leaping with, you know, <laughs> arms out, kind of like this perfect dive, just straight to the beastie. And then blasting away. I think I had like arm guns or something going pew, 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 and explode. I saved my paycheck. Come on, little human. Drag human back to base. Human's like, thank you. Murderbot's like, oh, no, no, no. Don't thank me. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't do anything. Go away. No. I know. That's the absolute best. Like, he saved their lives. So most people would be like, thank you, Murderbot. And Murderbot's just like, no, 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 no. Back off. Back off. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't acknowledge me. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, the biggest awkward turtle ever. Precisely. Apparently, I love the descriptions of the alien planet and all the cool flora and fauna. But right now, my very tired mind cannot remember. I mean, I do remember the giant thing that tried to eat the human. And I'm sure there were other things that were cool. But looking back on it, I can think of like the Bobaverse books that have much cooler descriptions of alien um, flora and fauna. And I'm like, meh, well, it was good. But it's a funny book. And that's one thing like, one thing I like about John Scalzi and Dennis e. Taylor is that both of their sci-fi series are always funny. Um, they are much more detailed and much more like longer books. But I feel like that same humor we see in this book as well. And I love it. I love when books are funny. Oh, for sure. This is definitely a funny sci-fi. Oh, and it's not a dry sci-fi like Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy. That's a dry, funny sci-fi. This is a very much American-written sci-fi. Yes, but I appreciate that because, I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a classic, and I've read it, and it's good. But I don't always want the British humor. <laughs> Sometimes I want my American humor, thank you very much. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's nice to see an American sense of humor. It's just, mm, yes, it's a very funny book. So... Did you have any least favorite scenes? Well, I mean, when Murderbot, like, got really injured, I was kind of getting concerned because I knew there were more books because this wasn't, like, the only book. But I was kind of like, Murderbot better be okay. I'm like, Murderbot better make it out of this in one piece, you know? And then Murder Murderbot did, but then they find out that Murderbot's also a hacked sec unit, and I was like, great. Now they're going to reset Murderbot. We're going to lose really awesome personality chip of Murderbot, but then we didn't, so, like, everything got okay. But I just had a moment of there goes the character, there goes the book. I word needlessly, I know. What about for you? Anything, like, that stood out that you didn't like? I genuinely couldn't think of a single scene that I didn't like. Like, this book is so short, because it's a novella that, like, there's nothing extraneous in it. There's nothing that could have been taken out. 
everything is so important to this book that it's just like, I didn't dislike any of it because I just murderbot. It's so murderbot centric. So yeah, I really didn't have any least favorite scenes for this one. Not bad. I mean, also was a short book, so it's kind of hard to have any least favorite scenes. Right, exactly. That's one of the kickers of talking about a novella like this is like, it's just so short. It's a little harder to break it down like we normally do. (laughs) Oh, yes, dear listeners, I own the first five of these now. The first four are only like 150 pages long. I got the fifth one in the mail and nearly dropped it in shock. It's twice as long. (laughs) The fifth one is 350 pages long. I couldn't believe it was an actual book. (laughs) Not an awful thing. I mean, kind of excited that it's so long. Oh, I know. I am so excited to get to the fifth one. I'm going to be reading the third one, hopefully in the next few weeks. I'm very excited. And yes, I am reading these books instead of the books that I had on my TBR for this year. No shame. I was going to say, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is not on your TBR. No shame. (laughs) Okay. As long as you don't care. I don't know. I've gotten to the point in my TBR. I have like 14 books left on it or something. I'm like, I could plow my way through those by the end of the year, but I could also read all these others that I want to read a little bit more now. (laughs) And since I am a mood reader, I've been going with those mostly. I find nothing wrong with that. You do what makes you happy. Yeah, so I won't get all the way through my TBR this year, and I'm okay with that. I'll get most of the way through it. It's fine. All right. Well, as we kind of lead into that, I would enjoy knowing what your final thoughts are about this book. I feel like because you want to read the next ones that you probably feel like this is a great book. Uh, This was a five-star book. There's nothing I would have changed about it. There's no way to improve it. It's perfect as it is. I've already read the second one. It was equally fantastic. I just love Murderbot. (laughs) This is a very Murderbot-centric series, as far as I can tell so far. So I'm fine with that. I like that. You know, I feel the same way. I have every intention. I also read the second one. I have every intention to read the third, fourth, and fifth. Probably next year, honestly, because... Wow. Once upon a time, I started some books. Like, I'm going to be reading Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, which so are you. I'm currently reading A Discovery of Witches, which I had to put down because I'm currently listening to The Last Graduate. Gilded by Marissa Myers coming up, so I got to do that. I'm going to be listening to a book with Kim. Um, we just got it from the library. The second one of The Inheritance Game. We're going to start that one. So, like, which is why I think for Practical Magic, I'm going to put it back and get an ebook instead. But, yeah. So, um... Five stars, going to read the other ones. Not this year, most likely. That's okay. We'll get around to all of them eventually. Oh, I plan on finishing them next year for sure. Oh, good. All right. Well, guys, if you have made it through, congratulations. Welcome to any episode. Um, if you made it through, you didn't read the books. What the heck? Why did you listen to this part of the episode? Go get the book. It is so short and so good. Like, seriously, guys. And have a great night, everyone. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps.
You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.